0: It's not about staying interested, it's just kind of like keeping that joy you have for it sort of fresh with new people, with more collaborations, with more connections.
1: Hello, print friends, and welcome. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. Each week, I chat with artists who use print-based media to do something beyond the expected. This is a bilingual podcast, so if you subscribe to us, you'll be getting episodes in English with me, as well as in Spanish with Ronaldo Gil Zambrano. Together, we speak to printmakers around the globe about their practice and passions in the world of printmaking. Hello, print friend is brought to you by Speedball Art Products, currently offering possibly the best thing to happen to relief printmaking, their Woodzilla presses. These beautifully made presses come from the Netherlands, and they're uniquely engineered to perfectly combine superior craftsmanship and performance at a price that makes them accessible whether you're a seasoned printmaking pro or new to the craft. They're available across five sizes, and each Woodzilla press is precisely manufactured from heavy-duty steel and designed to apply uniform pressure without Undo work or stress for the artist, and still guaranteeing a beautifully printed result at every reveal. Check out these beauties through the link in the show notes. My guest this week is John Coe, founder of Pressing Matters Magazine, the most beautiful and accessible publication in the contemporary print world. We talk about the how and the why of founding the magazine, how he selects his features, and his physical publication, Surviving and Thriving in the Digital World. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to turn the pages with John Coe. Hi, John. How's it going? I'm good,
0: thanks, Miranda. How are you?
1: I'm really good. I I feel like our meeting feels like a long time coming to me because it's it's not just I haven't just known. Your work and what you do, and consumed it and been a fan of it, but we've actually collaborated a little bit. I've I've written for Pressing Matters. I wrote a piece years ago on Elizabeth Jean Yance, and working on a piece right now that'll come out in the the last issue of 2022, and so it's just it's really nice to have worked together and then to actually be able to see you semi in person and and have yes. a chat.
0: Yes. Absolutely, it's uh, I I wrote down rather than remembered, uh, that we featured you in May 2017, which was relatively... Oh, my uh, gosh. Really, that's relatively, so no, long ago. <laughs> no, that's wrong. That's wrong. That was the first issue came out in May 2017. We, we featured you in issue six, which is quite a special issue. So uh, it had lots of people like John Pedder in it. I think Stanley Donwood in that issue as well. Loads of people in issue six. was such a good issue. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it has been... It's, it's been great um sort of connecting with a lot of people this year as well just just doing three issues this year I've had a bit more chance to actually meet some people in person get some print fairs things like that so
1: very fun yeah fun well before we get into the interview would you introduce yourself and just let people know who you are where you are what you do
0: Sure, sure. So I'm John Coe. I'm creative director, founder of Pressing Matters magazine. Uh, set it up, as I just said, six years ago, I think, to do a magazine about print making. at the time, felt there wasn't something that was speaking to me about print, and that's where it came from. So I did a a year in print, which was a part time course, or one, you know, a morning a week for a year, and it was. In all kinds of print formats, so you did like three or four weeks in different print mediums. So you do relief print, and you do it screen print, etc. And whilst I was doing that, I met Jo Handsome, who is sort of, could call that our house photographer. She doesn't do all of it, but if she's a local to Bristol, she was the tutor of that course. And I did that classic thing of talking about it so much. I was winding me and her up about <laughs> oh, you know this magazine started, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just felt I knew a lot of people with interesting stories just in our local area, let alone anywhere else. And prior to um, that magazine, I'd done another magazine called Bone Shaker, which I'll show you on screen, but not anyone else could be able to see it.
1: Oh, beautiful. Um, so a cycling magazine.
0: Similar. Yeah, it was about cycling, smaller format. And there was a group of us who did that. And I had some experience working at a magazine company in Germany on an indie indie label sort of magazine so I had all this experience, I wasn't going to do anything and I'm self-taught in graphic design over the years, in different jobs, etc. As a freelancer as well. But one thing I knew I was pretty engaged with, I guess, or interested in was magazines. I bought loads of magazines, just a massive yeah. fan, let alone what it was about. You know, at the time I was quite a cyclist, a lot of my friends were into cycling as well. So yeah, a group of us came together and, and, and did that magazine. And I, I wasn't going to do another magazine, but when I decided to do the printmaking course, I just, I sort of was like, well, the artwork is, you know, the, the sorry, the the people's print artwork, mm-hmm. the illustration. Like, so for example, with the bike magazine, we'd have to commission illustration for a right. store. whereas. Yeah. It's it's the people's artwork, and most people I was speaking to had like friends who were photographers or someone who wanted to write something. So, literally, the second I mentioned it locally, people were like, "I'll do I'll do something. I want to see it." I did like a little PDF and had a few had a few sort of. What do you reckon on this idea with a few people? (laughs) But (laughs) past that, I was pretty convinced because I'd done other magazines that I would just go for it, do issue one you know put my own money behind it just get it done get it over the line it might be the same with the podcast or like other mm-hmm. projects you've done but i think sometimes when you put your own um self your ideas and your money behind something go like meet me meet me halfway <laughs> It sometimes can come across better than crowdfunding things or like from the start having a different relationship. So it, it came out fairly fully formed and uh, seems like a long time ago now, six years, and I've got yeah. a, lot of, a lot of design files <laughs> <that> <laughs> between now and then. So
1: Yeah. I feel like when I first saw Pressing Matters in in 2017, I even, you know, kind of think about it, I can't even remember how I was introduced to it, but you know, I I saw it, and and that idea of it being fully formed. I mean, that really speaks to me of my experience. Yeah. So you know, getting this magazine and it just feeling like it just filled this niche that was out there in the print community and the way in which the global print community has a shared narrative and communicates with one another. Because as, as we we spoke to a little bit off air. There are other publications about printmaking, but a lot of them are quite academic. And you know, it's it's that's a whole another side of the print world, which is is important in doing its own good work, but something that just seems like a lush visit like visually driven celebration with stories that don't need 30 footnotes. Like this can just be a good story about printmaking without that sort of justification of, you know, making sure we're referencing all these people. And so it just, it really, I instantly connected with it and it, it I come across at about the same time I was thinking about starting the podcast and I felt like it had a similar energy to it. And so that was really cool to see this idea that printmaking stories are interesting in and of themselves and yep. there'll be people who want to respond to them, yep. and and if we create something that is accessible, people will come. If you build it, they will come.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think we always said with bone shakers magazines, if there was any sort of fake tagline, it was like a sideways look at cycling. It was like not about the lycra and the kit. It was about mm-hmm. human stories, the endeavour, and again, we talked a little bit off air about I think printmaking's you know, it's all about artistic endeavour and the sort of journey people go on from just that first sketch to, oh, how would this look in lino cut or what's the best way to print this or what have you. I think within the pages of the magazine, I, re- I realised very quickly, even the first couple of issues, and I guess through the community online, it's we're interested because it's other people, but there's also mm-hmm. universality in other people's stories that we can connect to so when I started I was trying to push slightly not against but being a different space to those academic journals so I was like the ones we have in the UK are often like you know the photos are almost postage stamp size they're very small work is very small and it's all words and I think we still have plenty of words in ours but I I was massively trying to just go that print's amazing like especially if you see these things in real life they're quite big smaller (laughs) on you know, and if it's on a glossy paper or something like that, then... So I, I guess coming from it from a graphic design point of view, from a, like, what do I want to see? It's kind of selfish from the, <laughs> from the start point, yeah. uh, uh, was just like, well, let's just make... Yeah, like you say the word lush, but let's just make this speak of its own qualities, if you see what I mean. So, I mean, I get millions of photos from most photo shoots, and I have to just go work through them. But usually the work is easier to choose because I can go, well, that one really stands up as a whole page and this doesn't and so yeah I think what I'm always mindful of is just like I have my own sort of thoughts and feelings when we interview people when we write when we when I design it but I think it's very it's quite likely from the conversations I've had with people that you can be a I don't know stone litho artist but still be really interested in screen printing or this other approach or you know people's practices I've noticed this massive in Bristol actually like a lot of people's practices cross over and they'll actually be a person who looks at trees or you know like Gemma looks at you know you know old buildings and, and things like Gemma Gunning yeah yeah and she is predominantly live though, but she will work in other methods so even her drawings are amazing and so you've got I think the actual techniques can be a bit amorphous, and I am very much have we covered everyone in some kind of way <laughs> because I want it to be fair and for someone, you know, whatever they're looking at, to get something from it. But you'd be surprised at print fairs; often people are going, "Which one's your screen printing issue?" I'm like,
1: "Oh, uh huh."
0: Just pick them up, look at them, see what see what work you like, because it could be a screen printing article, but they don't like that particular type of artwork. So it's yeah. I yeah. think for some people it's possibly a bit like all over the shop, but I think <laughs> we do quite work quite hard to make it, yeah, quite an open thing.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of the reason why I really connect with it is that it does cover the breadth of mm. this community that is at the same time very large and very small. Yeah. And so it, and you get that, you know, well, you'll you'll get an article about black women of print and then you'll get the next turn the page and it'll be a profile on this Brazilian woodcut artist who's, you know, in his nineties and then you'll turn the page and it'll be a stamp collection. (laughs) It's it's really fun that way. And, and so, you know, at the beginning, it sounds like when you were looking at, you know, making content, it was, you know, resourcing kind of the people in your network, but of course it's grown now. You say you're coming up on 20 issues. What does it look like now when you're putting a magazine together? Are you getting pitches from people around the world? Are you soliciting? Are you researching and writing yourself? How does, now that we've been doing this for six years, how does it it look for you to create an issue?
0: Well, the last two or three issues have been maybe slightly different to the ones before because I had some treatment for my health earlier in the year. And so been, it's not getting them out by hook or by crook, but we, we have always got plenty of content. We've always got plenty of people we're speaking to and sometimes stories can overlap. So we start one, but it doesn't manage to finish in time for a print deadline or, you know, once someone's on a residency and they won't have time to do part of it and it'll be a better story later. So I think the more recent ones building up to Issue 20 have been, um, almost had their own momentum. Like there's been people who wanted to feature it all felt, well for us and uh, but one the only one thing I would say in my own personal opinion is you know sometimes the magazine can be quite profile heavy so even though we mm. do different profiles they can be different sort of artists it can be sort of like here's someone else in the studio here's someone uh-huh. and, and one thing I am doing looking at issue twenty is looking back almost to the earlier issues or things we've done along the way so some of like the my tools articles more feature led pieces where it's sketchbook behind print you know, or well, the story behind the print, sorry, and the ske- from sketchbook to print. There's a couple of new ones we're doing, like A City in Print. So Gemma Gunning talked mm-hmm. about how she's doing a piece about Bristol and how it inspires her. And I'd love, like, her to do that one and then someone go, oh, yeah, I'm based in Mexico City. I, you know, it, there's loads yeah, going Yeah, yeah. So I think as we keep going, we're trying to strengthen up the, the kind of things we're Good at, but also look back a little bit and go, well, that worked and that was kind of really enjoyable. Like you know, the longer you go, the more we, or certainly we feel, the, the more we want to get many voices. So working with yourself on some articles, like you've, you know, worked over in Thailand, you know the, the guys over there, the article is brilliant because of that. And so there's quite a few in twenty. I think again, I I want everyone else to be the judge of it when it comes out. But for <laughs> Because we've got, like, so Jay Garfield, a wood card artist, has interviewed Tom Hammock, who's also a wood artist, wood card artist and painter. Their conversation is really interesting because it's mm. exactly that. And they touch on sort of sort of nuances that I wouldn't necessarily get to because so I'm busy making a magazine. So I think, you know, if I was to summarise all of that rambling, <laughs> uh, it, it's trying to learn from all the good stuff over the years, but also... Trying and incorporate as much of the community that's saying hey I'm here I've got a story and actually mm-hmm. yeah reaching out to them saying, yeah well you know like you say I wouldn't call it a pitch you get different like with yourself like you've you've come to us and said well there's several things going on I'm interested but actually you know this is something I could see in the pages of the magazine and that's quite different to an artist emailing us saying, here's my artwork, can you feature right. it? That's correct. So we, 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 we all get both. Yeah. And I quite like that, but I think certainly in each issue, I'm mindful that we get sent a lot, for example, we get sent a lot more relief artwork.
1: Of course, yeah, is, I can see that.
0: And we would, Intaglio or even Riso, other things that I think it's quite key to sort of keep in there because they are part of this world. So yeah for example this issue is i would say half kind of lots of people voices different approaches and then half profiles but even within the profiles the actual artists are quite varied again <laughs> Which is quite, i mean for me it's like you know and i'm also playing with other things uh you know i may end up with another photographic cover but i am playing around with an illustrated cover this time you know so it's you know it's it's. To, I want to. Obviously, the longer I go on, I'm sure it's the same with the podcast or any projects that anyone does over a longer period of time. It's not about staying interested. It's just kind of like keeping that joy you have for it sort of fresh with new people, with more collaborations, with more connections.
1: Totally, and and for me, with the podcast part of it too, is about keeping myself challenged in some way because you don't ever want to. At least I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm like, I have this down. I know how this works. I do yeah. this interview. Then yeah, it looks yeah. like this. Then it looks like this. Yeah. That's the finished product. And, and that, that sort of like stay hungry, you know, yeah. mentality yeah, disappears yeah. a bit. And yeah. so, yeah, you need to, especially when like you said it was multi-year, like the podcast was 2018, pressing matters yeah. is 2017. So they're, yeah. you know, sort of reaching a, a similar age and where it could start to feel comfortable. Yeah. If you don't, but you need to like not let it feel comfortable. That's how I feel anyway. Yeah. I
0: keep, I keep mistakenly saying 20 years instead of 20 issues, which is, <laughs> yeah. is, that, is that saying something about it? No. I mean, yeah, it's it,
1: felt so it, long. It, yeah. <laughs> it,
0: it, it's really exciting. You know, it's really exciting that it was popular, fairly popular from the start. You know, we reprinted issue one, we did a thousand, we had to print another thousand quite quickly. And so, I mean, you going back to what you were saying, a uh, small and big thing. I sort of, jokingly call it a global niche but i think that is what it is like a lot of people who are oh in the yeah sort of going you can make a living off of this and i'm like yeah kind of yeah yeah I mean, it's because it's i'm not trying to do it like millions of things and we have not millions of employees it's a very small scale business i work with my wife on the sort of more logistics side of things I work with a writer some regular photographers but it's me making <laughs> like it like, yeah. like <laughs> podcast is a huge, you know, a huge size of the business that is me and so yeah the way it looks I suppose for this issue is certainly I work quite closely with Vinka on when we choose what, what what's in it and how we approach things who Vinka Power is our brilliant writer and we again I think we're both interested in journalism and magazines and storytelling end of you know that's just the design is really important. Yeah. I am a designer, but there's a side to just telling people stories. And she's brilliant at bringing through those sort of red threads and sort of tying it all together. And, yeah, sometimes it's sort of like given to us, you know, we do a Q&A, we're given all the high-res artwork, you know, that we need, and it's all just packaged lovely. <laughs> and then other times, you know, you know, you work harder for them, but sometimes that's down to us because we think it could be better or we can, you know. And I have, over the years, I think at the start, I was quite sort of like, oh, you know, just try and fit everyone in at some point. (laughs) I do challenge people and say, well, look, if you're doing this show later in the year, why don't we talk to you after you've had that? Because you'll have grown as an artist or, you know, maybe put you in as a smaller piece or an ad now, but then revisit it. And I think with that longevity comes the opportunity to just say, you know, we are kind of backed up on content often. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've got like a list. I think I saw on Instagram today all the people you're only talking to this week or something. <laughs> like, yeah, sounds like my world. Um, yeah, <laughs> but,
1: um,
0: yeah, it is it's all sort of managing all those things and keeping it, you know, on a day to day basis is quite enjoyable. And I think for me this year, especially with all the whole stuff happening, just I just wanna be actually collected with people more it was quite nice during the if there was any nice thing about the pandemic but actually the sort of the zooms were really good because people were really like oh I want to chat to someone
1: yeah <laughs> so, yeah
0: whereas a lot of it can be done by just Q&As or giving people some themes to write on and so yeah connection with actual people that's important to me and coming up we've got quite a few print fairs in the UK which is a nice opportunity obviously to tell a few mags but also as much as anything else, just sort of catch up with
1: people. Yeah. Yeah. That would be wonderful. You know, I'm the lead on, on Print Santa Fe, which is going to have a, a print fair element to it. It'd be great if we could somehow, I mean, it'd be wonderful if you could come visit, although I do, I know that's, that's quite the trip, but if we could even like have a table that we could have like a volunteer at, like moving some of the magazines, Um, it's April, 2023. Hmm tell maybe, maybe. maybe i don't maybe. know i'm just sort of
0: thinking <laughs> yes. this is- I, I absolutely can't commit to anything <laughs>
1: yeah <exactly>. you're
0: like <laughs> we do have an issue coming out in april though so you know i mean one thing i'm kind of mindful of is making more of like the launches so you know mm. we, sometimes they just sort of, nothing happens and sometimes something happens and um we've got our next one comes out mid-october we're, we're doing a a festival called print in action in plymouth in november but then we're also doing Woolwich print fair and, and then press and play in brighton in november and they'll be sort of launch-ish because they're around the time but in january february time we're, we're hoping to do a tabletop fair in bristol curated by us alongside a lino print show created by ben dixon So, you know, it's nice to have sort of things (laughs) a little arm's length away to be excited about and to, like you say, it's all bringing it to life. Like, I can't do loads more than I do because it's already a full-time job, but I think the more you connect with people in the actual real world that, you know, I've often met people who go, well, I I quite like putting on events, so I'll help. Or, like, you know, when you do it, you know, digitally or via you know, your computer a lot of the time, those sort of personal connections, you know, aren't as strong. So that's, I'm 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 all, that's what I'm all about that next year. So yeah, I, you, you never know. You may find me on a plane.
1: We would love to host you. We'd love to host you. And, and yeah. the thing is, is that there's so many print events happening yeah. in the U S almost it seems like every week, particularly in yeah. that like springtime sure. area. So, you know, you could do, you could do, you know, print austin sgci print santa fe i mean you could just like make it this like the tour so we'll we'll see i'm sure we'll talk
0: (laughs) also like you know we're we've got such a great relationship with a lot of companies particularly in the u.s speedball i know you guys do with with the podcast and they've invited us out to 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 some of their shows and things that they're at as well so yeah i think that's it for me the longer we go the more i just want to personally strengthen these things as much as like the magazine just actually you know connect connect with people and see how we can do more things like the fairs in the uk we're already given you know we've got inks from speedball and algami are sending us some stuff and gf smith we're using their papers on our life printing as well as the algami ones so you know it's of like the tentacles are growing (laughs) (laughs) Um, i'm curious
1: about the you know sort of like the publishing industry and in, in sort of a broad term, you know, in the sense that it, of course, has massively changed mm. with the internet. You know, that there there were, I think, at one point, you know, countless niche interest, niche trade magazines, sure. you know, like Chess Weekly and, you know, Embroiderers Anonymous or whatever it is. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and a lot of that, you know, went away, of course, with the internet yeah. when people started to be able to connect in this digital sphere. And so when you go about, you know, taking on a publication, you know, whether it's the cycling magazine, you know, or of course the, the printmaking magazine now, what is it that you think kind of makes it viable, like makes pressing matter something that people are like, oh, this is something that I'm not getting from the internet. This is something that it makes it a viable publication because it's adding something that the internet experience doesn't have.
0: Yeah, I mean, one one short answer would be that it's it's a physical object and mm-hmm. it's static, so it's not moving in front of you, and you're not making that sort of swipe action that makes a lot of content just go by in a very sort of primal image-based way. Mm-hmm. And we you know we probably need a bit of that sometimes too. But yeah, I mean, I guess magazines, as much as sort of books or art, you know, coffee table art books, they're sort of it's like not slow journalism, but they are ones like ours that quarterly are, you know, particularly about the arts in some kind of way. They are a little bit of a stake in the ground for like what's going on at the time. Now mm-hmm. I am very mindful that that's sort of me and Vinker and a couple of other people's take on that, but quite a few thousand people <laughs> buy the magazine. So it must be yeah. interesting to a few, few, a few others. So yeah, there's, there's, there's that sort of feeling that, because I suppose the way we've done it, the way we've looked at it is that we will talk about some shows and some fairs and things like that, but we keep sort of the dates out of it in the main articles. So we make it quite timely. So you can pick up an issue from cut two or three years ago and it's still a quite quite a valued resource. I mean, when I started it, I didn't think of it as like a teaching tool with the amount of people who run little workshops or even big workshops and say, Oh yeah, we get it in. We get it in for our students and they love mm-hmm. it because they can just, you know palm through and go oh yeah no it's a bit like that the thing i'm trying to do or you know so i think differently to say the cycling magazine when we came out there weren't that many indie cycling magazines by the time it was finishing up like rafa the bike company various other people had made their versions of it and so it was quite saturated and i you know Dare say something will be equally as good looking as press, pressing matters at some point, and have things to say and and, and, and occupy that world too. But trying not to ramble this answer. But I suppose my the the way I feel about it is that like so financially, it's it's doable because it's mainly me doing it right mm-hmm. so when we were doing the bike magazine like there were three four five people at a certain time and we we're all trying to get some kind of part-time wage from it and it just becomes slightly bloated as far as not you know it was great working with all those people but it was like quite hard to do and I think with with what I do it's it's about getting this balance of like how much value there is in the thing that, like you say, isn't on the internet. Just passing by, it's captured somehow. But that then, in three or four months' time, a new one will come that isn't vastly different. There's a familiarity there, but that that there's some other artists, and you know that there's a slightly different take on a technique or what have you. I will say though, the inter whether this is part of your question, I, I can't remember. But I will say, particularly Instagram and the internet, has been very good. Just yeah, it still is good now, but particularly at the start, like there was already a community. Now, some people say, oh, yeah, it brought together the community, the magazine did, and the, you know, the Instagram account and things like, that. well, maybe, maybe it has, but I think it was there already. It was just sort of a glue that the magazine, because we're sort of, and we were with the bike mag, fairly open doors, like, yeah, you, you know, you could be in this. We've just, you know, we've got to have a conversation with you, particularly with these Instagram led. Print challenges and things like that. I, I, you know, I want people to feel part of it. Yeah, I think that is quite unique to our magazine, and a lot of magazines are full of ads, and a lot of magazines are are financially driven. Um, mm. And I have worked at a couple of places like that, and I've bought magazines like that, and I, I think it all adds up to what I, you know, what I like and want to do is coming back to what we were saying before, just tell tell sort of people's creative stories and get other people fired up by them. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I love what you're saying about that accessibility and that kind of open door feeling. And I, I didn't yeah. realize, but that's definitely part of what I connect with is that it's equally thrilling for me to pick up an issue you know, when the issues arrive in the mail is essentially how it happens, you know, and I open the the, ma- the 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 mailbox and I'm like, oh, there it is. You know, there's that just that kind of thrill of getting something in the mail. And then, you know, I think also the delayed gratification, which we don't have, you know, in any other like aspect of our life anymore. But like you have to like wait for the issue to come. And then when it comes, like it is this it's this buildup and this exciting moment. And I get equally excited learning about someone new. As seeing a friend in it. Like, oh, there's Yakub, there's Woonjean, you know? There's Latoya. Like, it's like, it's so exciting to see your friend, your print friend, in print, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite, you know, I mean, don't forget that, you know, the invention of the Heidelberg press was massive for communication of media. You know, print has been really important to getting stories out there for a very long time and i think we get so many pictures of people with their cup of tea when it come you know comes down like i'm carving some time and yeah me, and i'm like kind of you know i'm on holiday and I, it was the first thing i packed and you know i mean i i get i feed off that excitement and i do get that excitement when i'm making it as well it's like i think we talked about it off air beforehand it's interesting for me because you're you know I'm involved in all levels of the production, then the promotion, etc. You know, as soon as it's out, it's everyone else's, the mag. You know, yeah. and I don't like that with the podcast, but it's everyone else's to have, to enjoy. And I pick up on, you know, in person at print fairs or, you know, some comments online or what have you when people are excited about it. But, you know, the schedule is such that you sort of, it's it's a weird one where you're thinking about 21 when 20 is over go out and all that kind of stuff which, uh, which is it's, it's just how it is because you're sort of you know you're 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 making something with that you know schedule and mm-hmm. yeah I, 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 I kind of like it about it but then it's just I, when I get the magazine back I think it's quite different because I, ma- I get many copies I get them and they smell everyone goes oh they smell really amazing of ink and I'm like yeah try having about 400 yeah. you know, like <laughs> In high off of the fumes until they calm down, but you know when I get it back, I'm just going, "Is there an error? Is there anything wrong with it?" You know, oh it's,
1: yeah, yeah. It's yeah.
0: kind of that's just like any project you would work on as a creative person. You're sort of quite critical of it, you know. And there's something in most issues, and I can yeah. probably list them. But <laughs> you have to, it, you know, you also have to be a bit zen about it and go, "Well, like you know, it's pretty good though." It's still yeah. good. There's a lot of good stuff in there, and uh, you know, usually it's only like tiny little typographic things, or what have you. But uh, yeah, you know, we try try our hardest to check everything over and over again, and make sure there's no printer errors, and you know. But it is that 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 that's the you know. Some people just don't do print; they just do PDF magazines and things like that. And I I get a few. I get a really what, great one called Contemporary College Magazine, but the PDFs sit on my desktop until I've got yeah. tired. And then I want, and I screen so much. I'm like, do I want to sit there and read this? Do I print it out? Like, it's like, yeah, you know.
1: I I can't connect with with reading online like that. Like, yeah. it's just, it, in, in, you know, maybe it's maybe it's being an '80s baby, you know, and so yeah. like just not growing up with digital reading at all. But yeah. you know, there's there's something that feels because we do it so rarely now, you mm. know, connecting with magazines in this mm. way. Oh, most people do anyway. There's something that feels so like a little ritualistic kind of treat about yes. reading a magazine is where yeah. like, I am, yeah. I'm not in front of a screen. I've like yeah. set this time aside. And you say, you know, you have your cup of tea or coffee yeah. and you're sitting there and you're like, you're like, I'm going to just have an experience that has this sort of special feeling. And then also kind of this, there's something about the, the, the set aside time and the time limited experience, you know, where, I'm experiencing Instagram several times a day, almost like unconsciously. I'm like, oh, there's a moment of boredom in the grocery store. Like I'm and now I'm consuming art. But you know. <laughs> Yeah. but yeah with the with the magazine it's it's this little yeah it's like a ritual and it's it feels really good yeah i, I
0: mean i do the same thing i i recently spotted a new magazine which i think was a pdf and it's become print called adventure which is about camper vans i've got a camper van and oh, yeah, nice. maybe maybe because we haven't been weighing it so much this year i'm a bit like oh i want to go away but the thing is in that world you can get really sucked into sort of conversion videos and like how you could use solar better and like quite geeky yeah uh, or you get people who are just like living the absolute dream life, you know, very Instagram ready. And this this magazine's actually like, so I did swaps. I swapped a couple of my my mags with his, and and I did exactly that. I put the kettle on, I sat down, I went right, but no one bothered me for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I had that same kind of moment, and it, obviously I don't necessarily have it with my own one because I'm I'm making sure it's all right and good, and uh, but. Yeah. You know, with a lot of other magazines, I'm like, you know, and I guess for me as well, it's slightly homework-based. It's like more mm-hmm. I read other magazines and more like, oh, I like what they did there. They were sort of quite geeky and talked quite technically there, but they did it in a a non, like, mission statement, boring <laughs> way, you know, in a kind of quite uh, useful way. Like, and I mean, I think that's the other thing with the magazines I particularly like, like, you know, this – I get – recently got one called crafts magazine which i hadn't had before but huck magazine's always been a big one for me which is all like street and skate culture and it's the articles want for me you want to feel more like conversations more like little snapshots and an injection of inspiration because like going back to instagram or any other thing that might take up your time you know your time is limited so you want when someone is looking at something for them to go you know we've spent time putting together the best bits for them hopefully (laughs) because we can't compete with their whole archive online or you know for for example we've got an article with Anita Klein in issue 20 and she's got a 40-year retrospective show at the Eames Fine Art Gallery in London and we've worked with her a few times you know on on articles and various things but Jo had such a lovely... The photographer, I couldn't make it to that interview, but she had a, such a lovely conversation with Anita and they connected on such a print-making way. You know, it was so different to like... oh, And we're doing the same here, hopefully. It's just conversational-based stuff. And we want... You know, we do try hard to keep that tone in there. Yeah. Because, you know... And I think one last thing on this, actually, and I think I do it myself when I read other magazines... In contrast to, to, let's say, the internet rather than just Instagram, is that I think you bring something of yourself to it more. Mm-hmm. Like when you're stopped, when you're stopped, you've got a cup of tea, you're like. We are having a bit of a moment you know you know even if it's like just not even reading it but just skipping the pages and go Someone need to put this together with love or like you know, yeah. you know it just feels like and that's why I probably got a slight addiction to like artist books of artists I like as well as magazines and I buy quite a lot of zines as well I just love it when somebody spent a bit of time curating something it's like for me it's always a bit like a a, ga- a, a mini gallery in
1: in in some pages that i can keep oh i love that (laughs) that idea i think that's really true and and i also think that there's something for me and i think probably for a lot of people about the actual experience of buying something of i've spent money on this you know Mm. instagram is just free nonsense forever and ever and ever you know you that you could just you could consume images i'm sure every moment of your life and die not Seeing everything that's out there, but it's, and it's just, it's all free. And then, you know, the fact that, like, okay, like I've, I've, I've exchanged money for goods. There's something about that happens psychologically that you're like, I'm gonna, I'm treat, like I'm treating myself or I'm, I'm getting my money's worth out of it by having that moment. And, you know, while like the freedom and the accessibility of instrument can be great in many ways, it's a very different experience than I'm making sure that I get what I you know get what I paid for yeah, which is great but, yeah
0: but we talked a bit off there a, a little bit just about you know things like algorithms and the mm-hmm. sort of uh, whether it you know is it worth having mastery on a system that's changing around you but Rachel my wife made a really good point the other day is that you know all the things that are changing with Instagram got every right to change because it's a free service to all of us we are yeah. paying for it. so if it changes it changes we move to something else to do that. that's a risk they run and we run using it but yeah, when you've gone like, well, I earn my money, I'm treating myself to this, or I have a subscription to that, or I'll pick this up, you know, yeah, you're invested. <laughs> you it in some way. And uh, I suppose what I try to do is put my sort of joy for the genre or the area of printmaking into the mag, and then hopefully, you know, with enough care and attention, that sort of then feeds other people's, I get asked quite a lot about me as a printmaker and Uh I think it's quite hard for me to be a particularly good printmaker (laughs) and also make the magazine because I see so many other people's work it's almost and it must be the same in some ways with you the podcast and maybe other people who you know curate things I suppose but I guess I'm featuring 15, 20, 30 projects every issue that I and a few others think is the best work going on. And then to look at your own stuff <laughs> in context to that and go, oh man, I, yeah. it's just so magpie yeah. when it comes to influences for the magazine. That when I come to do stuff, it's way more, oh, how did they do that? I want to try it, you know. So I've, you know, over the years, I've become much better at saying to myself, I just like experimenting, you know, I like trying things, the things I've seen. Oh, how did they do that? I'll try that. That's the other thing. I'm massively in awe. Of artists who have a singular thing that they're looking at or a way that yeah. they approach work, and I guess you could flip that and say, well, the magazine is that for me, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. probably a graphic designer, but yeah, I I also feel like if I didn't get my hands inky every once in a while, be, I feel a, a bit of a fraud.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. You know, that it's there's something important about the actual experience. Yeah. You can't just sit. Up in an ivory tower and observe without the doing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any sort of dreams for the magazine? I know we talked a little bit about this, but like things that if you had unlimited time, resources, energy, that you would love to see pressing matters be in two years, five years, that kind of thing
0: you asking me if I have a business plan, right? are <laughs> you? <laughs> <laughs> Never. I, I, um, yeah, no, I do. And, and interestingly, I think that's become more post my sort of, you know, yeah, the sort of medical stuff that I had earlier in the year. I, uh, fundamentally, for me, the magazine is about inspiring and educating people. So there's a few other ideas I've got outside of just selling more mags. Right, yeah. <laughs> no that interests me I'm interested in spaces quite a lot like you know how when you bring people together in spaces conversations happen and then when conversations happen then things happen and uh, I think we talked about residences earlier on about visiting artists I've got a bit of a dream space in my mind and it's probably going to take a while for it to happen but I can imagine a space that you know, let's say there is some kind of Airbnb set up where someone could come and stay, but it would, I don't think it necessarily would end up being something in the pages of the magazine. But I think I, I kind of like this idea that, you know, an artist could come and then show some stuff and then we could do a little video of them. Oh, and cool. Maybe the content could grow slightly outside the pages of the magazine and have a slightly different sort of, or just a variety of formats that people could interact with. Also, like just... I no, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd love some sort of college that wasn't a school thing to happen oh. out of it. Like, a lot of the people I know teach print, you know, and it'd be great to bring all of that together in some kind of way where people could be quite experimental. I think if we could facilitate just more and more people To to print more and more, to explore their ideas more and more. My friend Carl Middleton and I have, yeah, working on some ideas at the moment. And one of them is using sort of Lego with letterpress, you know, sort of flat Lego
1: and
0: modular things. And, um, It's just so good. You don't have to be able to draw. You can just put the blocks together. And if somebody says, oh, just do a face, do a self-portrait out of Lego, you can. You know, you can just play. It's just play and then you put ink on it and you get a print. And I think anything I will do or want to do will just hopefully still have that sort of red thread through it from the magazine into other areas we did actually talk about podcasts at one point me and Venka, because we actually had a period where we were doing zooms for interviews we had a lot of recordings of interviews
1: yeah
0: see when you go through the process of writing it down and then putting it into a story in a magazine it's shorter by a lot but also you know the way people say it in their own voice as you'll find and we are trying to explore in the mag but in a podcast it's really interesting to hear the person's voice and their accent and all those kind of things and so but i'm I know my limits certainly on my own and so it's talking with you about that more could be interesting for the future I think there's just so many people who are good at what they do I think I'm quite good at doing the mag and I'm quite happy sticking with that but I'd love to see some of these ideas find a space be it a, right. you know explore something that we're both excited about at your event in Santa Fe so that's the thing for me importance of keeping sort of these relationships going the guys at Woolwich Print Fair are always really generous and say oh you great if you could have some print happening and we always want that to be going on so yeah as martin who you worked with uh, recently yeah, yeah. my buddy he's always there with us at some of these fairs and oh, Sula. he
1: was wonderful yeah
0: so yeah i'm i think at the moment i'm doing things in in a that i want to be doing but in a small way based on the energy and time i have but i think the the sort of the intent is there to explore maybe spaces and yeah. How would you, how do you do that kind of thing without being really full time on that as well I don't I know. Know. and not have employees? I don't know how it works really.
1: I feel the exact same way. Cause you know, I have so many different ideas constantly about projects that would be fun to do. I just had yeah. Cammy and Edie on from newsprint pod and they, do a wonderful job doing that. They do a monthly podcast that's about like the news of the print world and it's yeah. very charming. And And we had this idea of what if we were able to travel to a city and do in-depth podcasts, investigative yeah. style rep- reporting podcasts, yeah. more in the style of something like this American life where it's yeah. actually rather than just an interview, it's oh. this is the story of printmaking in Cleveland, or this is the yeah. story of yeah. printmaking in St. Louis and how fun that would be. And I'm all jazzed about that idea. And then as you say, all of those thoughts is like, how does that not become your full-time job? How do you work to sustain yourself to do the things that make money so you can do this? How do you do that without paying anyone? And it's it's sad sometimes, but there's also something so hopeful about that. And Mm -hmm. how I think part of the charm of the print world is that you find so many people here who are keen to take on something else just from this place of love and wanting to see it in the world and i've never had it found that in other communities to the extent that it is in the print world where it's just yeah. you're doing a thing i love that thing how can i help your thing here's yeah. my thing do you want to do anything with it and it's just this this collaborative nature and this through line of enthusiasm and community that's so powerful and so exciting. And, you know, if I, I it's the only spaces in which I wish I just was, you know, the heiress to, you know, an emerald mine or something and didn't have to worry about money or time. I just think about yeah. the projects I could do, you know, opening yeah, this yeah. space and starting that, you know, like you'd still all be that. stressed
0: about it all and you're having more <laughs> like I think for me it's it's more I've my health stuff's made me slow down a bit, but it's mm-hmm. also made me right there's a difference between the why if i employ someone to do social media then we could tell a million more magazines or this and the other not all this what ifs and could be's but more like an idea is still a good idea Mm -hmm. it just it's place and space and sometimes it's not me that makes that happen and maybe that'll happen more in the magazine maybe i'll set off some ideas in the Mm pages of the magazine and set them as challenges or like more of these you know print challenges but could you know other people come together in a different way so I think we're both definitely in the sort of right places to explore all of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any favorite stories or favorite features if you're allowed to play favorites a bit as as the editor that you just like when when it, since 2017 it's been like possibly. I'm so happy this was made. Yeah. I'm so happy this is in the world.
0: Ones that ones that pop out to me are well the issue that I felt so issue 3 when issue 3 came out it was so, issue one was very west country, UK, southwest, which is where I'm based. It was that, but then the so was the first Bone Shaker magazine. It was just the people we knew. The second one was like people who just heard of it saying, Oh, could I be in it? Could I do so? You know, so it became quite universal, international quite quickly. But issue three, like we, I think, think we featured Angie Lewin, maybe Anthony Burrell. There were two or three people who I was like, I've always, as a graphic designer, not print person, but as a graphic designer, been really interested in and they already were like this is great (laughs) (laughs) about the magazine so issue three was one of those ones not particularly the whole the stories but the way that one came together was a real and that was the second year so I did two in the first year so that was a real vote of confidence it felt for me third issue that I could at least do another three you know and keep going for the next year issue six we got to do a piece on john pedder who i've since become pretty good friends with i designed his book and you know just yeah but even in that one had the black women of print it had i'm i am looking this up by the way <laughs> because it's not all kept in my head but we have people like super mundane who's a brilliant design, illustrator and designer print house who just printed our t-shirts it's interesting this was quite an early issue but we're still working with them joe stafford who's part of the printmaking group in Norwich. So there's lots of people who were in, again, issue six. Well, that felt like an important one. I'm not going to be able to guess which issue it was in, but on a personal note, I've always been a big Radiohead fan, and so when we featured Stanley Donwood...
1: I remember that.
0: He said, let's just... Because he doesn't want to f- fill in a QA. and a He was like, come meet me. And they were based, he was based in Bath at the time, which is near Bristol. hmm on so myself and friend Mike, who actually was writer for Bone Shaker. He was also a fan. And so we were like, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. we went to meet him and his studio was so nice. And he was such a nice guy, but literally within 20 minutes, he was like, there's a great pub around the corner. So we were like, we get to go for a beer. We're standing <laughs> and, uh, But he, even in that first 20 minutes, he was just showing us all these sheets of stickers he'd done with Radiohead and like some of the original paintings that ended up in their artwork. And at the time he was working on his lino cut book which was a series of lino cuts um, which is part of what we talked about in, in there but I was really surprised because I just thought of him as you know as a painter mainly but had done this kind of project and a few other things but the more we talked to him the more he'd done etchings you know copper plate etchings all this kind of stuff really interested in it and he was someone we I think managed to speak to because he knew Nick Hand from the Letterpress Collective who I think was in issue one but also has been a big you know sort of you know I don't embarrass him I do not say hero but he's just been someone who worked in the print world for a very long time in a really cool way he was a graphic designer he still is has done some really interesting things with his time you know and so you know going back to your previous question actually like you know I'd like things to go in that direction which is just to sort of facilitate more print more interesting projects both for myself and the people involved in the mag. But yeah, definitely Stanley Donwood on a personal note was quite a, you know, quite a, a fun one to do and be involved in. Yeah,
1: I, it was a great Sorry. one. I remember it. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, wonderful.
0: And I mean, I will say, I don't know when this will come out, whether it's before the next issue or not, but I'm excited to be talking to Kate Gibb, who back in the day did lots of artwork for the Chemical Brothers, but now she's just doing all kinds of stuff with, you know, clothing, with, you know, she's just a lot of stuff at the Jealous Gallery in London. And her work's just fantastic, very, very much what I'm interested in at the moment personally, how you bring collage and the sort of, you know, the errors that naturally come in printmaking or in sort of art making, how you can keep them special, particularly in something like screen printing, which, you know, once you set it up, you can just do the same thing. How do you keep that interesting every edition? Is it moving it slightly? Is it making the colours jar? Is it um and so it, it's quite exciting to be talking to her for this new issue as well?
1: I'm very excited to read that for sure. And <laughs> and so we're just coming up already on our on our hour mark here. So it's time for me to ask. Can, Where can people find Pressing Matters? Where can they purchase it? Where can they follow it? Where can they get excited about it?
0: I would say that probably Instagram is it's not I don't stay on top of it every day. I'm not I used to do a lot more, but essentially all the all the things I'm interested in, all the things to do with the magazine when it comes out, etc., is always on Instagram. We also do a newsletter fortnightly, I say we I I've really enjoyed mm-hmm. writing myself and I, I tend to put more sort of time sensitive things in that and talk about when we release things like the t-shirts and things. So you can sign up to the newsletter via our website and yeah, you can subscribe or just buy a single copy from our website as well. We have quite a lot of copies in different stockists, but they're in lots of different countries. So it really depends yeah, where I think is. is to go to the website. <laughs> so I will always encourage people to subscribe with us because that's just you know part of the business side of it but um yeah and I can I speak to. you know so we sell wholesale bundles to stockists but mm-hmm. actually a lot of print studios will buy them for their you know members and things like that because there's a sort of discount if you buy five or ten of them and things so you know I mean I'm interested in the business side of all of this but also I get out of bed to design the magazine yeah. and tell the stories moreover so um yeah, people just check out Instagram and our website. And okay. uh, yeah.
1: And I can speak to at least for me, the just in investing in a subscription and just paying the yearly fee yeah. more than pays for itself for me in terms of just that that little thrill when you open the mailbox or the post box and you're like, oh, it's here. And you know, get to open it and just it's, it's really, it's just an experience that you don't get very much out in the mm. world, I think, in other ways. You really, that sort of opening a present feeling, mm. I think, is really what it feels like. Yeah. So I highly recommend doing it. That's great. Thank well, you. it's been really wonderful to chat, Joe. I really, um, like I said, I'm just really key, like very, very happy that we were able to actually connect because I've been an admirer of what you produce for so long and have really enjoyed working with you and I I hope we get to do so more and collaborate yeah, more. It would be great. To. Yeah. Absolutely. If you like today's episode, we have a Patreon where you can help us keep the lights on and get bonus content, like Shop Talk Shorts, where our editor, Timothy Pauschak, digs deep on materials, processes, and techniques with past guests. Also, if monetary support isn't in the cards right now, you can leave a review for us on your podcast listening app of choice or buy something from one of our sponsors and tell them Hello Print Friend sent you. But as always, the very best thing you can do to support this podcast is by listening and sharing with your fellow print friends around the world. And that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be Chris Estrada, who runs Farewell Transmission, Instagram's best place for hand-printed T-shirts featuring bootleg music designs and naughty sentiments. We talk about how Chris manages to be so prolific with his designs, his musical influences, and building his own business on his own terms. You won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.